Hello from the members of Royce City Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're blessed by this message today. You're invited to join us for worship anytime. You can learn more about our worship options, locations, and how to get plugged into the life of our church by visiting our website, RoyceCityMethodist.life. Today, we hear from our associate pastor, Reverend Francis Gonzalez. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you here, and I'm not Chris. I know you're planning on seeing Chris right here, but I'm not him for sure. (laughs) Hidden relationships, that's the title of of the sermon. Um, But I want to start with with a story, um, something that I saw during the Christmas holidays. You know how uh, there's one cashier in one area, and then a a whole bunch of people creating different lines trying to get to the cashier so that they can leave. So I don't know how or why a lady comes from the back and plants herself in the front of the line. And of course, that caused a ruckus. You know, people were not accepting it. You know, that that was not going to fly. And I don't know what they said to her that, that offended her, and, and she said, I'm a Christian woman. And a lady from the back said, you hide it well. <laughs> you know? She, she hid it well, you know. Um, you would have never <laughs> thought. I have a confession. I'm not better than anybody at all. When I'm out and um, uh, there is like somebody cuts in front of me or um, on the line, you know, very particular about that, I don't react because I know that God is watching. And I know that God has some of you watching me too. And I don't want to say, <laughs> and then they say, well, I saw the pastor. You know, the pastor does that he must be okay. But, you know, we all get to that point in which we have that, you know, uh, out of the gate reaction, you know. And, and, of course, we need to curve that. But everybody is watching us. I think you might know that when we write a sermon, we are preaching to ourselves first. In my case, the meaning of words is very important. So with this in mind, I started with the meaning of hidden. I wanted to know what was behind that word. I knew what it was, you know, I knew how to play hide and seek, you know, so I knew what it was, but what was behind that word? A disclaimer, for my teachers that are here, It is a verb with a participle of hide, an adjective of keep out of sight or conceal. I thought I will resolve this issue before we go to lunch and you all know who you are. I go to lunch with teachers. (laughs) Western Dictionary elaborates, uh, describes it like this, it's more elaborate. It says hidden, buried, clandestine, conceal, covered, 
covet, dark, invisible, latent, mysterious, obscure, private, secluded, underground, undisclosed, unknown, cloaked, close, clouded, disguised, and eclipsed. That's what the Webster Dictionary says that the word, that the, the hidden meaning of hidden is. So, I, I, of course, I needed to know what it was for my own sake, but I also thought that if I share it with you, uh, it, it might ring in your ear. Um, that hidden, it's just not, not hiding something. It has other meanings. I researched this because I wanted you to know it, how important it is to me that you understand and you see where I'm coming from. As I was reading the scripture for preparation for this sermon, the story that picked me was this one, this particular verse that we're about to read. The importance of it quickly came to my mind. John 19, 38 and 42, and it reads, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He then was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus by night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds of it. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At that place where Jesus was buried, there was a garden, and in the garden, a tomb, in which no one had ever been laid before, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, as well as Passover, which doesn't usually meet on the same Saturday, as well, since they had been at the tomb, okay, they decided that that would be a close place to praise Jesus and get back to their a people before dark. But I'm assuming that it dawned on them that, oh, you know, we can't. Heavenly Father, here I am. Let us pray. Here I am. Make me a conduit of your word that I might be able to speak so in tune with your Holy Spirit that what I have to say will be which you will want to hear. And it would be pleasing, Father, in your sight, my God and my Redeemer. Amen. The story that describes Jesus' removal from the cross appears in all four Gospels. Matthew and Mark give similar accounts. Luke gives just the facts, a little piece in the, in the newspaper. Just, you know, this is what happened. All of them named Joseph uh, of Arimathea as the main character. But John that, uh, but it was John that brought Nicodemus to the front of the gospel. A scripture tells us that some things about, about Joseph of Arimathea. 
So I kind of pick to see more what was behind him. He was a counselor, a senator, a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling body of Israel. He was wealthy, was apparently highly educated, highly esteemed, well-liked, very responsible and capable of leadership. He was just a good man, a man of good quality, high morals, a man of feelings of compassion, of truth, and of law. He was a man looking for the Messiah and the kingdom of God. He was, however, a man who was afraid to stand up for Christ. John describes here in verse 38 that Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Joseph probably met Jesus, probably met uh, Joseph in one of his trips to Israel, but he feared making a public of, uh, display of his faith, so he visited him in the dark. And it just kind of like, it, um, it kind of jumped at me when it says that he visited Jesus in the night. You know, like when nobody's watching. Sometimes we do things when nobody's watching. If he did, he stands to lose. If he, st if he stand there and people knew about his faith, he stands to lose his position and prestige. After all, his colleagues and other rulers, they all oppose Jesus. He believed in Jesus, but was in fear, and he kept his discipleship secret. So there was a relationship here, but it was kept secret so that he wouldn't lose all the other perks that he had in his life. He believed in Jesus, but out of fear, he did not act. We need to note that when the vote was taken to put Jesus to death, Joseph did abstain from voting. He didn't stand up for Christ, though. Neither Nicodemus, both of these men, Joseph and Nicodemus, had an opportunity. John describes it like this in John 7, 50 to 53. We find out that Nicodemus, while meeting with the Pharisees that wanted to kill Jesus, Nicodemus said, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to see what was the wrong that he has done? What is it that he's doing? Then they reply, are you from Galilee? This was enough to keep Nicodemus in his place and quiet. That was another one that didn't want to lose what he had. Both of them had an opportunity to stand for Jesus, but they remain silent. How many people today are just like these two men? Are they, they're good people, they're honest people, they be, they're believers, but they're afraid of what their friends and fellow workers will say if when they hear something, they were to say an amen. 
or when they are um, at the cash register, if the last word they say, God bless you, that's always a dead giveaway. How many people today are just like them? They fear for their own position, prestige, promotions, acceptance, popularity, friends, their jobs. But we shall remember that Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Luke 9, 26. The Lord clearly says, it is I who is watching you. It's not your friends. It is I. He knows if, you're, if you are denying him or not. But Joseph and Nicodemus were changed by the death of Jesus. We see this in these two instances. They are stated in verse 38. First, Joseph asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. With this action of faith, Joseph braved the threat of Pilate's reaction. Pilate was fed up with the Jesus movement. That's my word. That's how I named it. Jesus had proven to be a bother to him. He could have reacted severely against Joseph, but Joseph risked his all. And with a remarkable courage, stirred by the death of Jesus, he asked for Jesus' body. Every secret, secret believer of Christ can gain strength and courage simply by studying the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death turns Joseph and Nicodemus into bold witnesses for Christ. They didn't know it, but at this time they were making a statement of faith. Joseph asked to take care of the physical body of Christ. And I must mention that today the body of Christ is the church, your church, our church. There are times within the church when special needs demand that we become courageous and step forward to show we care. And sometimes even to do something that we don't think we can do, we think we're not good for it, so I'm not going to mention, you know, and that I, you know, maybe. No, no. We just don't get in, in the line. In those times, a fresh look at the cross will be helpful and can be used by God to inspire us to serve and give. Nicodemus was also changed by the death of Jesus. He is described in the Bible as the leader who came to Jesus by night. Hmm. Some history places, places him as probably being a master teacher, meaning he was the leading teacher of all of Israel. Holding such a high position in the nation, he feared the leaders of Israel who opposed Jesus. The same fear that was in Joseph was also in him. Nicodemus, above everyone else, knew the prophetic scriptures. He had met Jesus before. 
You can find that in chapter 3 of John. At some point, Nicodemus knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Nicodemus had failed the Lord when he was alive. He wouldn't fail him in his death. So he boldly and courageously stepped forward to proclaim that he now believed and wanted everyone to know it. He walked into the store that sold the spices and bought a huge amount poundage for a king. The spices weighed about 70 pounds in abundance and in amount that only royalty could afford and use. Nicodemus wanted to give honor to his Lord, which he should have given him earlier. When the Lord was alive, he had been a proud man. So when he had the chance, he didn't act. But now he was a broken man. He had been a worldly man who had chosen the world over the Lord. He feared to lose the things of the world, the things that had been placed in his life, the things that had value in his life. But now, when he saw the death of Jesus and him hanging on the cross, that was completely different. Together they show a courage and a boldness unmatched by all others. They demonstrated an open and ashamed commitment to Jesus. And they did what the apostles did not do. They went and took the body and buried it. There was no question that they would face some harsh reactions from some of their fellow Sanhedrin members and from some of their closest friends and even their family members. But they had chosen to stand for Jesus and openly care for Jesus' body and openly again make a statement of faith. They didn't make a statement of faith with their voice. In this particular verses here, they made a statement of faith by their actions. <coughs> because you know people are watching us. And they watch Christians more than they watch other people. They're looking to see what we do. So they, both of them, <coughs> professed their faith with their action. They wrapped, around, they wrapped around Jesus strips of linen with the spices. They openly gave Jesus the best they have, a tomb that had never been used before, reserved only for the most wealthy and influential families. They freely buried Jesus just before the Sabbath. This act eliminated them from taking part in the great Passover feast and in the Sabbath. And this was never done, even in most important occasions. You were not to miss the Passover. And you were not miss, supposed to miss the Sabbath. Seldom did this two fall on the same day. By handling Jesus' body, they were deemed defiled. 
Jewish law forbade a person from taking part in Jewish ceremony. They were considered unclean. I hope I have described what I think was going on through their minds. But what is our excuse? No, today we don't have to take Jesus off the cross. The Lord has risen. So that's not what he's calling us to do. But how long are we willing to keep Jesus as our hidden relationship? Visiting him only late at night. Talking to him in a low voice or with our mind when we really need him. You know, when we cannot find our way, then we start, Lord, to keep, to keep, to keep, to keep, to keep. We keep him hidden. We keep hidden by not sharing what we're needing and how we're praying for it and where our faith lies. All those steps are part of what Jesus wants you to proclaim, to state to other people, so that they can see through you that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is ready to receive anyone that come. The hidden relationship that we carry today expands to our actions, our relationships. People come and they tell you, you know, how they feel and and they say, well, you need to pray. You know, just, you know, prayer works. And we walk away. That act is a hidden relationship. If they come to you and they tell you something, and you're going to tell them, well, you need to pray, you need to say, holding their hands, hey, we need to pray. And I'm going to put you in my church prayer list. You know, and I invite you to come with me to church. If you don't have a home, a family church, hey, come and meet my family. <laughs> you don't miss the opportunity of showing Jesus to someone else. This is how we can keep Jesus in a hidden relationship. These two men, this two men waiting until the last minute to stand for what they believe. What is us, God asking us to do? He asks us to do many things. Everybody that has been saved, God is asking them to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's big or small or if it's within the area that you feel more comfortable or if he's trying to get you out of your comfort zone. But believe me, there's no doubt. If you're safe, the Lord has something for you. Something for you to do, to say, to give. The Lord has risen, and that cannot be kept secret. People need to know that this is what you believe. Jesus is really calling you to help in ministries. Ministries of the church. Now, he doesn't call everybody to do that. But I know that he's talking in the ear of some of you to do something. 
Maybe you can join one of the ministries of the church. Maybe Jesus is asking you to bless others as he has blessed you with your friendship, with your testimony, with your standing by, by letting people know if you need prayer, that person is a, that can person can pray by letting them know that you can, that's showing Jesus and showing that your relationship with him is not a hidden relationship. For this week, two things are your homework. I like to give homework. I'm not a teacher, but I like to give homework. One, manifest your faith through your actions. And your actions, let it manifest your faith. You cannot do one without the other. And honor God. How does the story continue? I don't know. The Bible doesn't mention them again. But we can write our story. We can publicly declare that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for our sins and that our debt has been paid in full. Sharing our faith with others and walking the talk. Taking your relationship, because see, in here, you know, the doors are closed and, you know, we're a family and we're all, you know, fussy-wussy, you know. Uh, we're kind of hidden to the people that are driving by. So take today what the Lord gives you through the message. Take it out of this church. Don't keep it here. In here, your faith is hidden because you already believe. You already have been saved. Jesus' most urgent message is that everyone will be saved. Now, not all of you is able to stand in the corner and preach with your Bible on hand. I'm not, I don't do that. Uh, not everybody is able to do everything. But everybody is able to do something. Something that would say that you are of Christ. And something that will say that, hey, if you need something, just come and talk to me. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna solve it because one thing is important for you to know. When people approach you and they tell you about a problem, you have to hear from the Lord that you're supposed to solve or help with that problem. Sometimes all that you need to do is guide them to Jesus. And then Jesus will take care of the problem. Sometimes we jump, you know, to solve things and we don't give Jesus the chance. So this Lenten season, let's not keep Jesus hidden. Let us pay attention to who and what is around us. Let everyone know that you belong to Christ. If you can do it with your words, do it with your actions. And if you cannot serve, do it with your giving.
I'd like to end today with a quote from St. Teresa of Avila. It says, Christ has nobody but mine. He prays in me. He works in me. He looks through my eyes. He speaks through my words. He works through my hands, walks with my feet, and loves with me right here. Wherever you stand, love, the love of God is right there with you, and you are the conduit to take it out and let people know that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came to save us all. You are his. Nobody can take that away from you. Don't keep your relationship hidden. Take it outside of the church. God bless you.